Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Football Frenzy. Welcome back. Fantasy Football Frenzy, hour number two. Corey Parks and Tony Cicada here absolutely getting it done. Not only we got you football, we've got life. We've got Tom Brady's underwear. We've got LeBron James. We've got the whole world here uh, by the gonads and we're ready to take it to the next level you know we talked last time we talked you brought up that uh saquon barkley and odell beckham will both be first round picks and i said man i get it by the names on the back of the jerseys but what i don't get is how bad the offense was last year and now we expect two guys to go in the first round so i thought about that and i want to take it a step further if that's the case which it could be right Mm mm-hmm is Eli Manning worthy of a late quarter out quarterback pick? Yeah, I think you have to because he when when Odell is in there, he's a, he's he's not he's a decent quarterback when Odell yeah. is in there. He still gives you the typical Eli Manning mistakes and stuff like that, but you got to think, you know, over the past couple seasons the only New York Giant that could score was Odell Beckham. The games where he was healthy, he did score, and Eli Manning was the one throwing the touchdown passes to him, but he's still outside right outside the top 12 though. Yeah, I agree. I think it's there. And a lot of people are putting leagues together right now, and, you know, they're going to be voting on some of the things they do. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel about two quarterback leagues? Listen, I'm willing to play in them. You know, put it like this, Tony. If you invite me to a two-quarterback league, it kind of – how much money would I – in entry fee would I pay for a two-quarterback league? I would probably say no more than $150. Mm, that's interesting. See, I, I take it from two different perspectives. I think in daily fantasy DFS, it should be offered. And I think because there's not enough quarterback differential when everybody can pick, like when you have the whole league to choose from. Mm-hmm. There's three or four good quarterback plays every week, right? So you play head to head, you play some. Everybody's got the same quarterback. So that's why I would like two quarterbacks in DFS. I like it. In football, but I wouldn't want all my leagues to be two quarterback leagues. Like no. I like the differential, and it, it makes you do things a little different one draft, and it definitely changes the complexity of it. But I think in DFS, to me, I really want it, and I think I could go either way in a season-long league. I agree with DFS and season-long. I mean, my thing right there is the, is the entry fee. If it's a free league, I'm probably not going to pay that much attention to it anyway. You want me to put up 50 bucks for a two-quarterback league? Sure. You know, hundred bucks. Huh, I am, well, we'll see. You know, and that's kind of how I look at it. Like I wouldn't, if the NFFC offered a sixteen hundred dollar two quarterback main event, I would stay. I would stay away. Now, I'm also, I'm in favor of this. This I'm definitely in favor, of, and this will never happen because it's too much thinking. If you want to remove the kicker in the defense, go ahead and do it. 
and then put three flex positions, right? And I think that brings more strategy into the draft. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not 100% against kickers, but I'm going to tell you what I am against. When I lose one week and the guy's kicker has 17 points, it pisses me off to no end. It, it's it's one it's just one of those things, Tony, and I, I agree with you. It does piss you off. But what if you're that guy that gets 17 <laughs> from his kicker? And you I get know. That, there you I, go. I, I, I feel kind of dirty, though. Like the no, kicker got do. 17. Yeah. yeah. You do. You do. You worry about your lineup, your roster. Like you we put all this take work. take the win. Not, yeah, yeah, you take the win, though. No, but yeah, but we put all this work. Let's let's call for what it is. We put all this work. We do all this work six months before the season, all year round. And no show is coming out to talk about the top kickers to pick in your drafts. It just doesn't nope. happen. So when those are settling games, that's where I, I, I kind of think. And the defense has always been a problem for me because we've, we pick defenses, right? But we don't pick the team on any other place in fantasy football, right? But we pick mm-hmm. the defensive team. And that's Jason, basically what it's saying is the average football fan is smart, not smart enough to pick players. And we've got to make it as simple as possible. So that's, for, for one thing, is a problem for me. Secondly, there's such a luck factor involved with the defenses. Like, all you people that kill the kickers, the defense to me is just as lucky. Because we're not – if the points were differently, like if the points say – if the team let up 250 yards or less, you get 10 points. 300 yards, you get 7 points. But we're basically giving points for turnovers that run into touchdowns, which a lot of that's luck. Kick returns that run touchdowns is like one or two all year long by a team. And it's more of a luck statistic to me than to kick the defenses. I'm not a fan of either. Obviously, I'd want the kicker to go away. The defense, I can get a little bit more because turnovers are a big part of football. So I think you should be rewarded for turnovers. Um, sacks, also a big part of football. I think you should get rewarded for that. But as far as when you start or if this team scores a certain amount of points, your number, you're, you lose from your number, I think that's terrible. There's so many ways that they go about the defenses that uh, um, the situation is crazy. And then it gets to a point. When we have a bad team in the NFL, we're not necessarily picking a defense. We're trying, like, we'll use the Browns for a situation. We're trying to find a defense that's playing the Browns, and we're looking bye weeks, and we're trying to get that. Like, you can get burnt playing that game, too, though. Yeah. You can get burnt true. playing that game, especially in DFS all in season long. You can get burnt playing that game. Tony, is there any defense worth holding on to on a bye week? I would say no, but last year, a perfect example would have been the Jaguars, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think they were. I mean, they had so many scoring plays, it was crazy. Yeah, I think it's only one or two defenses a year worth keeping on to or uh, holding on to during the bye week. And I'm trying to find that defense, trying to find out who that defense is going to be this year because um, I noticed going back and looking through some of my 2017 teams, I struggled picking defenses a lot, and I struggled with a lot of tight ends this year. So that doesn't mean you go out and draft them higher. I think this season tight end is going to be deep enough, Tony, where you can still get a quality one in the, in the, in the mid to late rounds. Well, here, here's the situation with the, the defenses, too, is the Jaguars, I think, got lucky. They're a good defense and all, but they got lucky that – um, Indianapolis had a backup quarterback. Houston Texans had a backup quarterback. So those are four games right there 
that you're going against backup quarterbacks, mm-hmm. despite any other during the year. So every the Jaguars had a good defense, but they got some luck as well. It's going to be interesting to see how that situation shakes out this year. It looks like they've been uh, pretty solid offseason out there so far. Everybody should come back. That team gets ready to make another deep run um, in the in the in the AFC. Do you? Can but you the name? division got a lot better. It it, it did. It, well, you brought I, Andrew Luck back into the division too. Well, you bring Andrew Luck back. You bring back Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Uh, changing coaching staff at Tennessee. Marcus Mariota healthy from the start. Uh, all of a sudden now, I think all four teams could win that division. In past years, it's only been the Colts and maybe the Texans. Yeah, I think I think that division is going to be up, up for grabs uh, this year also. I, that can it's, that division, I think, takes two teams. I think it might flirt with three teams. Obviously, the AFC East still being the weak link. At least we think the AFC East is the weak link. Uh, for all you baseball fans, coming up next is the Tut Wars Hour with Law Michaels and and our, our guy, Justin Mason. Uh, big story that they'll be talking about, I'm sure. Dodgers Clayton Kershaw to the disabled list with a bicep injury. So Clayton Kershaw Ooh. has hit the disabled list, and uh, they'll be talking to next. And I didn't see this yet, but uh, Yadier Molina took a 100-mile-an-hour fastball that was foul tip to the nut region mm-hmm. and uh, had to have surgery after the game. Oh, God. Jeez, Tony, that, uh, boy, I tell you, you could kept that to yourself. <laughs> oh, no kidding, right? Oh, uh, the Kershaw thing is, is bad news, Tony, because obviously when a fantasy owner hears bicep, you know what you think. He's coming into a money, into a contract. No, this is not his contract. He's not, he's not free agent after this season. He's a free agent after the next season, right? Uh, Clayton Kershaw, I believe it is after next. We've got a lot of guys in the Major League Baseball scene. Get it, and that's going to be the hard thing for the pitcher, right? You could be great all these years, then all of a sudden you get some arm trouble. Uh, Kershaw has had some back trouble last year. 2020 is the last year of his current contract. 2020, he will be paid $33 million. Wow. Kershaw's making a, <laughs> a pretty decent amount of money, Tony. Yes. Here's the uh, Clayton Kershaw. This is amazing. 2014, he made $4 million. And then 2015, it went up to $30 million. That's a good raise. <laughs> that is a good raise, Tony. And he hasn't won anything. To, uh, he hasn't won anything. He's gotten that raise without winning anything. How about that? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's kind of crazy. I was reading this uh, article that what if we put, like, say we took all the players' salaries, say just for the sake of argument, it was $1 billion, right? The players' salaries. And we we didn't give any of the players a contract. And then they, they were paid based on how they did during the season. Like, you'd have individual, uh, you know, like the uh, leader in average and the leader in home run, we'll get this amount of money. And then you'd have team awards, too, right? Where you're based mm-hmm. on where they came in. I wonder how baseball or any sport would change if there were no contracts and you were you were rewarded for your play on the field. Uh, you would see you would see pitchers. One of the first things come to mind, to mind pitchers. All of this going uh, four or five innings and then taking a, a, a break. Pitchers would want to pitch the seventh, eighth inning in the games. They'd be if fighting their the, coach. They'd be fighting the coach. Like, leave me in there, coach. I'm not going back to the bull. I'm not going back to the dugout. You would see that's the first thing. Pitchers would want to keep their salaries and they'd be willing to pitch more to keep their salaries. The coaches would end up being like pimps, right? Because <laughs> you're right. right. Yeah. You know, you know, you're not gonna play today. And you're gonna only play seventy times this year. You're holding me back, man. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. That'd be a very powerful position. I wonder how much they would get paid. 
The yeah, and I'll tell you what, the agents would become more important because the agents would have to be lobbying for you to get playing time. Yeah, they would have to be uh, the agents. You would want an agent that has good in with coaches. <laughs> now, I talked about the New England Patriots running back situation coming in, and interesting, right? If you're in a dynasty league, I think it's very interesting because I told people this is how a dynasty league works, in my opinion. Uh, I played in one, and a lot of the hosts around this channel play in the same league. I don't play anymore because it's too complex. You know, I mean, they got me doing too many different things. 45 guys on your roster, right? Yeah. And you all, the only guys you draft is the rookies from the following year. Like, so the rookies in the draft. And you keep everybody on your roster, and there's nobody anywhere on free agent because there's 45 guys on a roster. So I look at this Patriots running back situation, and you got Sony Michelle, and you got the two pass catchers, Rex Burkhead and James White. So that's three backs there. And they have a fullback, Thomas Devlin, who I think is going to make the team only because he's the only fullback. So that's four. Most teams keep five running backs. We still have Jeremy Hill. We still have Mike Gillisley. And we still have Brandon Bolden. I think Brandon Bolden's the guy that makes the team because he's been so big for them, special teams for year after year. And anytime he gets to play a running back, he comes up big anyway. I think Mike Gillisley and Jeremy Hill are not going to make the team. Wow, that that would be uh, interesting if those two guys didn't make a team, particularly Jeremy Hill. I think Jeremy Hill would likely have a spot. I don't know how to feel about Sony Michelle though. Tone is with. I love the player, I love the talent, but the situation is notoriously not a good one for for running backs. It's not. It's not. But here's what I will say: If Sony Michelle's as good as people think he is, he's going to play. I mean, Corey Dillon was the last back that they had that anyone thought was as good as Sony Michelle, and he played all the time. Now, you could say Deion Lewis is a good back, but Deion Lewis couldn't stay healthy, no, and the Lewis Patriots would do whatever yep. they could to protect him, and it was yep. a little different situation. Uh, James White, they only perceive as a third down back. Uh, Rex Burkhead was a guy that played a little bit of both, but Rex Burkhead has never played an entire NFL season as a, yep. a regular football player, right? He was only a special teams guy, and look what happened last year when he got that opportunity. So I think if Sony Michelle actually is good as he is, I think that he plays. But I'll take it one step further. I don't think the Patriots wanted to pick him. Why not? There was a rumor, was a rumor that the Patriots wanted to draft the linebacker the Tennessee Titans did. And they jumped in front and they picked him, right? And then Belichick tried to trade out but couldn't get an offer. So I don't know if Sony Michelle was the guy that they wanted. Hmm. And if Michelle wasn't the guy they wanted, maybe they – I don't know. That's interesting because then you got to see how they carry it on draft, on, you know, during, during the course of the game. But for them to pick him, he had to be on their board, though. Oh, he was on their board, but yeah. that was – you know, they were they were all fired up to draft the linebacker. And somehow uh, Mike Vabel must have some uh, – he must have learned um, reconnaissance missions from Bill Belichick and knew exactly who they were going to pick. That must that, – that, that's a good call right there, Tony, because he was able to hop in there and make that pick – who do the, the Pats? The Pats have. A, I was looking at their schedule. They always have an interesting schedule. I, but they um they open up against the Texans, right? Yeah, it's going to be yeah. interesting. Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Week One. Deshaun Watson, boy, I tell you, he's going to be overdrafted this year. I'm probably. I one told of the people guys overdrafted him. I told people here. I said, here's the thing with Deshaun Watson is in the start of the show. I said, I if I drafted him. I wouldn't feel good about it. And, and, and the reason being, 
is that I, I've played fantasy sports for a long time. I play every fantasy sport. And to draft a guy that early based on five games seems insane to me. But here's the other thing. I'll spin it the other way. It's the greatest five games to start anyone in the history of the National Football League. You can't. You kind of can't ignore that. And then right. You look at the talent around him. And yeah. You're like, man, this is this this can happen if, if Bill O'Brien can stay out the way. This can happen. Yeah. Bill O'Brien is a very interesting guy because this is a guy that I believe a lot of people think offensively is a guy that knows what he's doing. I don't think people think of well as a head coach. And I really get the impression that if Bill O'Brien was fired by the Texans, he would have got a job in about 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, weird situa- that's a weird situation when you have those guys. But remember Mike Martz, he couldn't cut as a head coach. Bill O'Brien has been saved by Deshaun Watson. Other than that, Bill O'Brien would probably have been on the employment line this year. Oh, Bill Bella, Bill O'Brien, a Tom Savage guy, right? Tom, people yeah. forget he chose Tom Savage to start. You listen to Fantasy Football Frenzy. We'll be back in more. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, Fantasy Football Frenzy. We are here absolutely getting it done. Corey Parsons, Tony Cicada, every Sunday, noon to 2 Eastern. I'll tell you what, the Denver Broncos had one of the weirdest drafts. These are the draft grades from all the analysts across the industry on the Denver Broncos, right? Mel Kuyper, B+. Pete Prisco, CBS Sports, B+. Chad Router, NFL.com, A. Uh, Sam Monson, Steve Palazzo, Pro Football Focus, Average. Nate Davis, A. Ian Wharton, A. Eddie Benoit, A minus. Frank Schwab, A. David Kadat, B plus. Vinny Iyer, A. So everybody lauded this team for having such a great draft. And what they lauded them is that they said they picked the best player no matter what. And that they weren't concerned about their roster. We were talking during the break how we were surprised that if you look at Denver's offense, the one thing you can say is they're loaded at wide receiver. And they used the 40th pick to say Corton Sutton, another wide receiver who's a big guy um, in, in an offense, not really a downfield threat. And then Deshaun Hamilton in the fourth round out of Penn State. So they picked two wide receivers there. They picked Royce Freeman, the running back out of Oregon. And they also drafted running back David Williams out of Arkansas in the seventh round. So they went offensive heavy. We all expected them to go a quarterback. They didn't get any quarterback. And uh, they loaded up everywhere else. You, are you satisfied with them as Case Keenum coming back into the season? I I am. Like, I think Case Keenum's better than what they had. I think Case Keenum could be an average quarterback. Um, I don't know if you go into the season expecting 
an average quarterback and are happy with that. But I will say this. I should give Denver credit because I don't think any of these six quarterbacks that were taken um, into the second round are locks. So why pick a quarterback just to pick one if you didn't think they'd be great? I, I, I get what you're saying, and I can dig that 100%. But I'm looking at a situation with – um, they've already made that mistake with Paxton Lynch. You feel what I mean? So it's oh, like yeah. – Let's yeah. not let's let's not let's let let's get a guy who we truly like, who we truly want. If we can't get him, let's just go ahead and go the BPA route and take the best players available. They get two good young wide receivers. Um, so you know when you're talking about offensively, they get the kid Chubb, they get Cortland Sutton. I think we're going to not this year, but I think we're getting to the point where we're going to see Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, who have held those outside downs for so long. You know. Sanders will probably be going next year this time via free agency. Demarius Thomas getting older, uh, injury concerns, but also I could see him being a guy that's a cap casualty also as this team tries to get new blood in. Now, what would you do with Thomas and Sanders this year? They're both so interesting, Thomas and Sanders, because they're going to come as a value, but by the same token, it's like it's always like you when you, when you get to the point of the draft where Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are available, it's almost like, do you go with these two steady, consistent guys, or do you take a play with more upside? Like, would you take Demarius Thomas or Smith Schuster? Uh, I would <laughs> see. It's a great question because I'd probably go Smith Schuster. There and, you go. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of crazy when you think about it. But the one thing to me is, it seems like, and it's hard to tell based on the quarterback play that we've seen in Denver the last couple seasons. But it seems to me that Demarius Thomas, his skills have diminished. But when I look at the numbers, they really haven't. He caught 83 balls for 949 yards of five touchdowns with horrible quarterback play. Mm-hmm. 90 passes in 2016, five touchdowns, horrible quarterback play. 2015, 105. and 2014, 111, 1,300, 1,600 yards. That's what we're looking for, Demarius Thomas. So when you think about picking for upside, Demarius Thomas – might be the guy with the upside, actually. And we don't think of that because we think about what he's done. He's 30 years of age this year. He's as safe as they come, but you want him in that wide receiver three range now. And are you going to be able to get him for that? You have to go wide receiver heavy. I think you get him at a three, and if you do, you know, you're believing in Case Keenum because it's really a guy that could uh, – put it up but I, I kind of worry like when you start getting to 30 years of age and we've seen wide receivers that have lasted longer in the league uh, but these he's a physical receiver too so sometimes these guys fall off pretty quick yeah no that no obviously we, we've saw that and we've seen plenty of examples of that at that at that size so um and that's interesting but you know with with, with Chubb putting Chubb on that defense if Chubb is good yeah. as he is that defense is still going to be very strong and then uh yep. the kid the kid Royce Freeman he might actually get a chance to start I'll tell you yeah I, I, this is going to be interesting because I like the the pick at Chubb and uh nobody saw that coming and he would drop all the way down to five I really think that. There's so many ways this draft could have went. I thought coming in that at worst the Browns could have picked Barkley first, and then a, whatever quarterback was there at four. But they obviously wanted to go and and get the Ohio State quarterback, uh, the Ohio State quarterback. Jesus, how many years has it been ever since we've had a uh, Terrell Pryor running around? <laughs> Ohio State quarterback um, there, but or they would have landed with um, Chubb at four. And then I'm surprised that they chose to go the way they did. 
Yeah, no, but I think it actually all came out well, though. Don't you agree? No? I, I do, but could have came out better. Like, I guess the whole thing's going to go on Mayfield. Is he really that good? And I like I like their thinking. Like, they're looking at it like I killed Allen coming in saying, man, the guy played in Montana and he only completed 56% of his passes. What's he going to do when he plays against a real defense? And people used to always say, oh, well, he had no other skilled players. Well, he doesn't have any in Buffalo either, so he should be used yeah. to it. <laughs> and um, and I'm, so I'm looking at that, and they look at the 68%. But the problem is that Big 12, we haven't had a good quarterback coming out of there. We haven't had a lot of great defenses. So I don't know whether you believe that 68% or not. Obviously, the NFL teams do. And there was more than one of them that did. So I, I give them their, their thought process to me seems sound. But I mean, once, yeah, Keenum is a guy that, that can be coached. One, one yeah. thing we know about Keenum is he can be coached. Now, do they have the staff in there to do it? They got a lot of guys that hung around, and their GM's a Hall of Famer. But I don't know. They didn't work with Paxton Lynch. There you go. <laughs> I, took, right? I, I took Paxton Lynch. I drafted Paxton Lynch in the Dynasty League a couple of years ago. That was a waste of a draft pick. Oh, Tony, these, you're right about what you said earlier about Dynasty Leagues. At, at some point, they get so complicated. I'm like, you know what? Give the team to somebody else. 45 oh, to, rosters, yeah. a taxi squad, and yada, yada. Yeah. Listen, go ahead. Take it, huh? Give it, give it to Paul Sporer. I don't give a, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do. I liked it too, but it just got to a point where it was like, oh my god, I missed. Then I would miss the, you know, the first free agent deadline is the only time you can get any players because they're mm-hmm. guys that all of a sudden got a job that didn't have. So when you miss that, you're like, oh, what the f? How am I gonna, you know, yeah, turn this around? So that becomes the problem when you play in those types of leagues. I look at this year, Tony. I'm looking at my my um, what I'm gonna do this year. I'm probably be, man. I'm really having a good time with the auctions. So I probably probably do try to do three or four of those. Um, I've had success in those. Um, and I probably probably do two or three uh two or three redrafts also. Try to get some decent money. And I'm trying to cap it every year, Tony. I like you know what? I don't want to go past double digit fantasy leagues every year yeah. in with around twelve. And I'm like, ah, oh, I really want to get out of that out of that ballpark. See, it's okay for people out there to go 12 leagues if eight of those are best ball. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's time. I'll be honest, there's times I've won a best ball league and I forgot I had that team. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't look until the end. Like, or someone emailed me. Oh, yeah, Truck last year emailed me and says, oh, me and you are first and second and, you know, in a best ball. I didn't even, I didn't even know I was in the league. There you and go. you look at it there. But if you have to make moves every week and you have to hit the waiver wire, it just becomes too complex that you pick – what happens is, and I'll speak for myself, is generally you pick three or four leagues that you really want to do well and you really concentrate on those. Yeah, that's what ends up happening. And then what you'll find out is I'll try to – you know, if I'm in – like say last year, for example, I think I started with 11 redrafts. You know, and by week six, I'm like, okay, I'm running all 11 of these teams. But by week six, I'm starting to say to myself, all right, there's nothing here. You know what I mean? Let me go ahead. I'll run the waivers this week. Maybe I'll forget it next week. Maybe I'll see if a buddy wants to do it. Then you got by week by week nine. It's like, you know what? This team right here has got a couple too many injuries. I don't see this team making the playoffs. I pay less attention to that one. By the time you get Tony in the week, by, by the time you get to week 10 after Thanksgiving, I might be running five of those leagues. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's the whole thing. Because people, you, you want to do the best you can. 
And believe me, when I first started doing this in the industry, I wanted to get in every league possible and get your name out there. And you thought that, you know, playing well and get your name out there. But what happens is, is that you play and you play, let's say, 20 leagues. Mm-hmm. And it's five, like you don't care about. Well, you always get those one or two dickheads that are going to point out how bad you're doing in that league and call you out and this and that. And you know what? Nobody even knows who they are. And it's their only way they can get any attention. Yeah, no, I, you're right, and that's and that's exactly what they do, Tony. And you got you got and you get into situations like that. Like I guess the fantasy football process nowadays, it all starts with Scott's Fishbowl, and I think Scott's Fishbowl is is a great idea, and it's, it's fantasy football for um you know for charity and stuff like that, and they do a great job. But you know they mix the rules up and the scoring system up in Scott's Fishbowl. You got the entire industry in it, so you don't want to seem like the guy that does it that's not in it. But by the same token, Scott, do who's Tony? How often do you set a Scott's Fishbowl lineup? Honestly speaking, I set it. I think I set it. I think I set it every week. But I can tell you this: I don't know anybody else's teams, so I mm-hmm. don't try to make any trades, and I probably miss the waiver wire half the time. There you go. So are you really giving it your all? Scott's Fishbowl oh, becomes like a not. big uh, industry yeah. draft. It's a big industry draft. Yeah. And it's almost and, like you're doing it because you want to show that, okay, I'm a part of this industry. Well, see, I, I, I look at it a little differently. I look at, like, everybody in the industry is in it, and if I don't play, I'm kind of an a-hole. Yeah. You don't want to be that guy. Yeah. yeah Especially yeah, yeah, yeah. when it's for charity and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be that guy. So that's the hard part, uh, people, when you get into those things. And then, you know – you got all that going on, right? And then you're going to tap in. I know a lot of you are like me. Then you're going to tap in a bunch of daily fantasy lineups during the week too, mm-hmm. right? And it's like how much can you excel at? It's interesting, Tony. Tony, let me ask you this question. If you was to – put it like this. Okay. If somebody was to ask you for advice on how to get into the fantasy sports industry, what would you tell them? Um, Jesus. Nowadays, it's uh, social media. Mm-hmm. Get your Twitter accounts, get your Facebook accounts, um, Instagram, and fire out all the information you have out there. And then you got to try to show up at some of these industry events, like like the Tout Wars, like any of these. I, I don't know. We don't have a football equivalent of tout wars like people will say like scott fishbowl jake seal will say things about his league but they're online that you don't have a place to go and you got to show up at those things and you mentioned andrea lamont right that's how andrea lamont got in tout wars and things she showed up at these things with lenny right and people started there and people are just in general are going to put people in leagues that they're familiar with so if you can get your face in front of people I didn't get there. Now, I could question you wanting to get in this industry because you're... There you go. That was going to be my answer, Tony. If somebody because was to ask me, I would say don't. It's never what you expect. There you go. I would say don't. Unless you can go into a situation like Matthew Berry, like Field Yates, like Mike Clay, unless you think you really have a good shot to get to that level of this industry, I would, to be 100% honest, I would say don't. Play well, it. I'm going to be honest. I don't think Matt Berry could be Matt Berry today. I think Matt Berry jumped into an industry when it was young mm-hmm. and was inspiring. And now even ESPN has cut back on fantasy. Major League Baseball uh, has cut back on fantasy. 
And there's just so many people that will work for free in this industry and so many people. I don't think Matt Berry could demand the money that he makes. And I give uh, the guy we used to work with that, well, I used to give him a hard time all the time um, over at ESPN, the football guy. Clay, Mike Clay. Clay, Mike Clay. I give a lot of credit because I think he's the last one that scored a good deal in the fantasy sports industry. And he worked hard to do that. And I, I really think that, he was a little lucky, and nobody else will be able to do that. No, I think it's going to be tough uh, moving forward, considering considering the fact that it's really a six month job. You know, yeah. or you, maybe you could say it's a five month job. You know, when you're looking at it, maybe you go from the fourth of July to Christmas, because uh, you know, you know, the Tout War show is coming up behind us. Fantasy baseball is 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 a zero, to be honest with you, Tony. As far as trying to do it professionally, it's a zero. Who's the face of fantasy baseball? It used to be Ron Chandler. I have no idea who it is. It is none. There and, you go. And, and no disrespect to a lot of those guys that are in Tout Wars. They do great work, yeah. They do great work, but you got 2,000 people following you on Twitter. Nobody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. You, you, you captivated an audience of a certain demographic, which is an older demographic, and once they're gone, it's over. A guy like Jeff Erickson... It's been around for a while, and because he's placed on Sirius XM, because Rotowire he's is a business probably the owner. number yeah yeah mm-hmm. Rotowire is probably the number one site not named ESPN CBS and stuff. He's built there. Ray Flowers has built a following that I think generations have gone. But the, those people, I can count on one hand. There you go. It's, and you're right. You can count them on one hand, and they really do so much. Not on much as the talent slash personality a lot of them are so well entrenched on the business side of their operations that that's how they make and earn a living and they're blessed yeah. to do so that way but you know just try to come into this thing fresh especially you know it, it it's it, it, it's 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 tough so there you go right there you know what i'm saying tony i'm just being honest with the people and and, and, I, and i'll be honest I'll, I'll just throw our network into the mix right if you only know fantasy it's only going to get you so far, and it's not going to not. It's not going to get you far enough to ever get paid here. Mm-hmm. You've got to be a guy that knows all of fantasy, and you got to be, have a little entertainment value, and you got to have that. I don't think that we'll ever have just a fantasy guy uh, for a long time. Those are that. That's tough. <clears throat> you look at a guy like Seeley, who's a, you know great fantasy guy, a great broadcaster, stuff like that. He has the rankings thing on lock, and you can sell so much content around around that. That's what makes Seeley such an important and good part of the organization. But you're starting to see, you know, who not many people really have the talent that Seeley does. Yeah, he's the only one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, is. Uh, yep. He's the only one. So uh, that makes it even tougher for people like uh, the guy in there. You know, you got some of these guys that are great rankers, too. Put them in front of a microphone, and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you're a guy with a good job and want to do this as a hobby Go for and want to get your word out there, this is great. You can do it. Like, mm-hmm. you can hit up social media. You can get your name out there. You could do it, absolutely, I think, better than any other industry and get, and get you know, a little a little popular, popularity. Excellent part-time job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As me and That's Tony it. go silent <laughs> and, and, and contemplate our lives. <laughs> Listen, come on, man. We need an agent. <laughs> so no one will answer the phone for him either. Stay yeah. tuned for more <laughs> no. right here on the Fantasy Football Frenzy. We'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere.
If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Welcome back, Fantasy Football Frenzy. We got Corey Pars and Tony Cicada. Join us every oh, Sunday from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. You can also subscribe on iTunes. Get this uh, fine show right to your phone every day. Hey, I got to tell you, Corey, I remember the days when you were a fine, aspiring uh, producer, and then you decided, you know what, I've got to be a star. i got to get behind yeah. the microphone, and then you <laughs> found out that wasn't as everything you cracked up to be. Yep. But we got another guy making the same mistake. Pete Considori's last day today. And uh, he has been here for a long time, and he's producing. Now he's going to be a, he's going to be a big star. I'm looking forward to, um, you know, going to, at the end of the program. All we can do it now, whatever, was going to congratulate Pete Considori on all the fine work he's done here, putting up with guys like me and you on the weekends, Tony, <laughs> coming in there and doing it by yourself, you know what I mean? Each and every single weekend and, and getting the job done. So definitely happy for Pete Considori as he uh, – leaves that shift to somebody else. Tony, now I have done that shift before, and I was thoroughly – I had to have my head examined afterwards. And um, <laughs> and uh, Pete Considori, though, the way he kept trucking these, the past year and some change, I'm uh, uh, very glad to have, have worked with Pete. So definitely um, thankful and friendly, thankful for his friendship and uh, working with him and stuff like that. So definitely big shout-out to Pete Considori, Tony, and his future endeavors. Pete, you all ready to go, man? Do you need a care package or anything? I, I mean, listen, uh, I don't need a care package. I just I want to thank you guys, too. I've done it on multiple programs. I want to thank you guys uh, for being great role models and uh, showing me what the standard is for uh, radio on-air personalities and stuff like that. So it, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. And, uh, you know, I, it's sad to see myself go here. Um, I wish we could work together in the future at some point. Um, but, yeah, thank you, guys. We really appreciate it. So go this right dude's there. gonna be an FM DJ, Corey. I, I can't see myself doing that. Like, um, I, I would talk over the songs. I'm pretty sure I, I've got to get my opinions out there. Um, how, how do you see this playing out for Pete? I mean, he's definitely got the pipes to do it. Um, yes, but FM DJs. That's that's a cool gig, Tony. I've always wanted yeah. to talk more. You know, because yeah. I like I think I got stuff that's interesting for people to hear. Maybe some people disagree with that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But if I yeah. did FM radio, it would have to be in the morning because then you could talk a little bit more in the morning. Yeah. Now, Pete, I don't think Pete's one of these guys, but I might be or I might know somebody that will. When a girl calls up and she wants to hear a song, mm-hmm. I, I'd be like, what are you willing to do for it? <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have Pete as that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think I think Corey hit the nail on the head on that one. Uh, I, I, t- I, Tony, I, I'm going to be honest with you though. If if you became an FM DJ, I'd like to see the response uh, of your program director and also probably the person calling in after you said that. Uh, what will you do for it Wednesday? Would be would be uh, what I would do, right? And we would take requests all day, but you got to offer me something to get your request played. You don't think that would be a big uh, one, Corey? We can't do that? Uh, I think that might be tough. 
uh, especially in today's environment, maybe in any environment, definitely in, day, in today's environment. You can't say, hey, well, what would you do for me Wednesday to hear your latest, <laughs> to hear the latest, to, to hear the latest tunes from uh, Britney Spears. <laughs> that would be a little while. So Pete Considori on to bigger and better things. And uh, we'll check in. If it fails, uh, it'll, it'll come back, right? I mean, that's the whole thing. And if you like Pete Considori, I don't know if you should be rooting for him to fail because uh, that's not nice. You'd certainly like Kurt Warner in that situation. Oh, yeah, that's not nice. You don't want to do that. You don't want to come across like 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 that guy right there. So um, oh, poor Kurt Warner. He'll be all right. He's making plenty of money. He's got his championships. He's got his Hall of Fame jacket. Uh, Kurt Warner has no reason to complain. He will be more than fine. Let Jason Witten go out there and get started in his post-football career. You know, I think we're going to see a lot more of this, Tony, where the networks are going to come in and start grabbing active players. Well, the Tony Romo thing seemed to work out so well that I think, yeah, it is absolutely good. You know what's kind of crazy, though, is like, it, do you think we'll ever get the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning type, or will we get like the step below? I think we'll always have the step below. Um, and I don't think you're taking four steps either. You know, Peyton Manning obviously was very close. They was throwing a boatload of money at him. But he didn't want to be in a position where he had to criticize Eli Manning. So he, that's noble. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, noble. That's... Tom Brady, I don't think Tom Brady would never do it. Uh, you look at what Kobe Bryant is doing right now with ESPN+. Yeah. Plus. I think that's interesting. But I don't think we'll ever get to see him. Like, he won't. he's not going to be in the studio with, with, with Shaq and Chuck. You know what I mean? He's never going to be there. He's not yeah, I'm quite be, sure uh, they would throw a boatload of money at him. If, like, if Kenny Smith took that Nick job, they would have offered him a billion dollars probably. But I still think he would have tried to figure out a way to turn it down. The, yeah, there's no way he can go in the studio. They would kill him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they, I think they would just ratchet it up on him. On him. Uh, and I don't see him being even, even though, like, the Reggie Miller role of, like, a color commentator. No, right? I don't think so either. I don't see that either. I think he would have to be in the studio on a big-time show like that, but I don't think he would ever do it. It's such a commitment. It's, you know, this part of this time of year, you basically have to live in Atlanta for two months, which is it's not horrible. You know, it's not like it's, you know, it's not like it's Bristol. Um, <laughs> but but um, when you look at that and then with his family and stuff like that, and I think he probably just doesn't want to get into it that much. But um, it's work for the guys it's work for, though. You know, when you talk about that TNT show, they do a fantastic job on that program. That program, Tony, that program is how you're supposed to do sports entertainment. That's oh, the program yeah. nails it. They absolutely nail it, Tony. No doubt about it in my mind, and uh, I love it. And uh, I love it when Charles and Shaq get a little crazy. And that's mm-hmm. why sometimes we get people here, like, uh, they're afraid to be called out. And then other shows, people just call each other out regardless. Like, nobody's going to upset me when they call them out. Sometimes I'm going to yell back at them. Sometimes I'm going to laugh at them. But I'm going to keep it different each time because, you know, at the end of the day, it's about it's about entertainment. No you know, doubt about i got to run them back in this draft that I think is really underrated. Who's that? I think it's Seattle's Rashad Penny. Okay. And I got it for a couple ways. Is that this guy put up some monster numbers in college. If I were to rate him that low, is there. And second, the Seattle offensive line is a little better. And third, I think the Seattle offensive line got addition by subtraction. I think Tom Cable was one of the worst coaches in the history of football, and he's no longer there. All right. Interesting that you talk about uh, Penny like that. I can actually pull up a draft board where I have Rashad Penny on a team. Um, and basically, in the NFFC trendsetters draft, 
Oh, it's on. I would now. I can't find the, the draft board. All right, here it goes. In the NFFC trendsetters draft, what I was able to do is I was able to, you know, you draft rookies positions, not the actual rookie, and I was able yeah. to get him as the second rookie to go off the board. But I was didn't have to pick him until the fourth round. Might be different. Obviously on draft day, but I like I like I like that pick right there because I think Seattle definitely wants to stabilize that running game, take some of that pressure off Russell Wilson, and if Penny is finally the guy that can do that, he has a chance to put up some big numbers. And you know, I talked to Emory Emory Hunt, our guy Emory Hunt about him, and I said who's his player comp, and he told me it was Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, that that seems to be the the situation. It's kind of crazy. Seattle though is trying. It seems like they're trying to get back to where they were when they were successful. And and that comparison is out there. And I think that the kid where a lot of people were up in arms about that draft pick, I think he's going to pay off. Yeah, no doubt. I can I can um I I can see that being the case with him. I think people wanted him to take that safety from Florida State. I think he was on the board. I think a lot of people thought they would go that way, losing members of the Legion to boom in the offseason, but the running back was was a perfect fit for them. Um, did we overdraft Doug Baldwin last year, Tony? Speaking of the Seahawks, um, yeah. Well, after the fact, we definitely did. Uh, going forward, I think when you look at it, that offense is just so helter skelter, and it's basically Russell Wilson running around trying to make plays. Yeah, I think he's overdrafted because his big season was built off an inordinate amount of touchdowns for a slot receiver. Right, we're talking double-digit <laughs> touchdowns for a slot receiver. Uh, I don't think we get those numbers again. I think he's a at best, he's a 10 wide receiver, right around that age. Last best. year, we were drafting him on that 2-3 turn. He probably should be on that 3-4 turn. Yep. yep. And he probably won't last there because people are going to look exactly. at Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of fantasy owners that will actually pair those two up. Um, Wilson and Baldwin. So the Wilson owner comes around and takes Baldwin. And I, I, I just don't see it. And it's going to be – I'm really interested to see what – the former Seattle wide receiver does in Washington. And if that ends up being a play, because Paul Richardson was a guy that I liked, but he couldn't stay healthy. But I thought he could make some big plays. And I'm wondering what he's going to do with a guy like Alex Smith at quarterback. I think he could be a guy that I'd be targeting a little later in the draft. Uh, yeah, I'd definitely throw a couple dollars on Alex Smith. I mean, excuse me, on Richardson. Health has always been a, a big part, yep. a big component of his game, the ability to stay on the football field. So we'll see how it takes to him in D.C. I'll take a couple flyers later on. Um, and most leagues, will he come off? The, most leagues, I think, you know, most 12-league, 16-round draft leagues, he's probably a guy that's going to come off the waiver wire. But I think he can come off the waiver wire pretty early in the season. Well, if you think he'll come off the waiver wire, do you believe that – who do you think will be drafted from the Washington wide receiver group, Jamison Crowder or anyone – will there be anyone – you think people still believe in Josh Doxson? Mm, I think you have to go to Doxson. I think Doxson's the one that has the, the, the upside. You don't know how it's going to work with Alex Smith. I think Alex Smith and Jamison Crowder is going to be fantastic. Listen, people are not going to want to go back to Crowder. Disappointed a lot last year. I'm going to go back to Crowder. And I would, dra- I would, I would draft Crowder before I draft Doxson. But I can see Doxson being drafted a round or two after Crowder. Mm. Uh, Josh Doxson, it's time to put up or shut up for Josh Doxson and Josh Doxson owners uh, this year because we've been waiting for it. And now I'm a little concerned that we might not ever get it. Uh, why is that? I don't know. It just seems like 
he saw flashes. He makes the big plays, and it doesn't seem like he makes the routine plays or um, puts together um, consistency. Consistency. I guess Bob Lung would not be a Josh Doxson guy. No. You know what, Tony? I'm glad you mentioned this because I want to – I think he comes up in big spots, but I think some spots are. T- I think he can make athletic type plays, yeah. but sometimes I think the spot is too big for him, and that causes him to struggle. And I just and I'm glad I got you. I was talking to a guy that coaches youth sports yesterday, and particularly basketball. And he coaches these travel AAU teams, you know, or yep. they go all over the country. And I know you have a history with youth sports also. Yeah. And he's saying with a lot of things what you're seeing with a, with AAU circuit and a lot of youth sports, especially particularly basketball, is you get these kids that are real smart, they're real skilled, they learn how to play the game, they're fundamentally technique, and they, they, the, the AAU is really developing their game. But what happens is, particularly in basketball, these kids stop going down to the park and playing shirts and skins and who got next. And that's where you get your toughness from, playing in situations where there is no coach. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. I'll tell you right now, in basketball, it's probably the least effective of that. You don't see anyone playing baseball in a park anymore. You don't see anyone playing football in a park anymore. Basketball, occasionally. Kids don't play. And it's crazy. Coaches would have a heart attack. Some, 80% of coaches would have a heart attack seeing their kid, their basketball, you know, starting point guard on the playground playing against other kids. And it's discouraged. Parents discouraged. You don't let kids out of the house anymore like we used to. We played every single day growing up, some sort of sport. Every single day of our lives, that's all we did. And kids don't do it anymore. And I, I thought about it this week because it's been so many days, Tony, on the on the week on the weekends where we would hop up, jump on our bike, ride down to the park, and be out there yeah. until the until the sun until the sun until the sun came until the sun went down. Ride ride the bicycle back up the hill, scared scared you might get robbed for the bicycle. You know what I mean? But it's those type of things that I think that I think I agree with what he said is because you know that's where. Like how you see how Draymond Green and Rajon Rondo are going at it, that yeah. comes from that comes from playing basketball on on a city park. Well, not just a city Absolutely. park, but any park. That comes from playing without a coach there. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I'll never forget. We had a game where we were playing in the city league, and uh, I covered a guy that was the best player on the other team, and I was giving six inches to him, and I couldn't believe my coach said, "You know, cover him and just don't let him score. I, it doesn't matter what you do." And we went at it so hard, the referee was like, man, I hope you guys like each other after this game. <laughs> you don't see that anymore. Like it, it, like basketball, shame. like the Rondo thing has become a big thing. Well, 20 years ago, this happened in every NBA game. That's the thing about it is they're not really doing anything that's out the ordinary. You know, the first instance they had, well, you know, Rondo didn't like something that Draymond said to one of his teammates. He went and got in his face. That happens. Yeah. The second yeah. incident, you know, Draymond guarding after the ball. That happens. Rondo wants to throw the shot up to the basket. In the in basketball, they teach you, Tony, don't let this even if it's a even if it's a, a stoppage in play, don't let a player see the ball go through the basket because that game that gives him confidence. So yeah, yeah, block those shots all the time. And there's nothing I, wrong with what the two of those guys are doing. They're competing. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a Rondo story. Right, my friend uh, was a Celtics ball boy. Right, so he worked there. 
And um, he called me one day. He goes, you won't believe what happened today. Rondo got mad. In a, they were giving him a hard time in a meeting. Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett were giving him a hard time about his play where they were watching a film. He took the TV control and fired it through the TV. Mm-hmm. And then he left. <laughs> <laughs> He that sounds like through the TV, and they just sat there and oh well. <laughs> if, I can't, if I can't watch it, can't nobody watch it? There you go. Oh Jesus, yeah. So <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a little crazy, and uh, I'll tell you what, he's the type of guy. And if everybody says this, and I don't entirely agree with it, he's the guy you want on your team. And if he's on another team, you hate him. And he's absolutely go. a guy. Everybody except Mark Cuban wants him on his team. Yep, that's the thing about him. That You're right, Tony. He's the type of guy, when he's on your side, you're glad to have him. When he's on the other side, you're like, we got to go up against this idiot. And that's exactly, <laughs> the, play, that's exactly the player he is. And then Draymond Green is not stupid. He knows what he's trying to do. He's trying to, he's trying to no. bait him in the, into technical fouls. No, yeah, uh, it, it's very interesting with those two guys, if they can go at it. You know what? If I was Golden State, as good as Draymond Green is, I think they win if they both get ejected because – New Orleans that doesn't have anyone running around like Rajon Rondo. That playoff Rondo could probably have you another 15 assists today. So, oh, good time, Tony. We got to some of everything, so I'm glad about that. We got a little bit of everything. Congratulations, Pete Constantori, and good luck moving on. And uh, we will be back next Sunday, noon Eastern, of course. Get all the shows on demand. And tomorrow, 9 a.m., listen to Corey Parson on Carton and Friends. Uh, I'll be on Taking Out the Trash, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, so you always get everything you want. Tony Sagata, Corey Parson, we've got to go. Time to eat a little lunch. We're out of here.